So I want to talk about, and you want to talk about, lifetime access models. Yes. Particularly for content kind of businesses. Yeah, this is is what I want to talk about. And and maybe like to just like do this in the most genuine way possible. Sort of like the motivation for this is what was it like two weeks ago, me, you and a handful of other people went on a bit of a founders retreat to Miami, which was a really good time. And we had a lot of cool conversations about things we were struggling with in our businesses and stuff. And one of the topics that came up was like how to basically get like an educational like content site off the ground and turn it into something that that actually works. And we were talking with a couple of friends about this. And I really was trying to pitch them on switching to like a lifetime pricing model and why I think that could basically like change the trajectory of their entire business. And it's something that we do for Tailwind UI. And it's something that took me a long time to get comfortable with. And I've always sort of felt like fear that it was gonna stop working one day. But I think at this point, I feel really good about it. And I feel like a lot of other people are afraid of this type of, of pricing thing too. And even when these friends of mine went ahead and did it and launched it last week or whatever it was, all sorts of replies on Twitter. Don't you think this isn't sustainable? This isn't going to work. You could just like see the fear, you know? Um, so I thought it'd be interesting to just like dig deep into this and sort of make the case for why I think this is actually a totally valid and legitimate way to run a real business that can work for a long time and what a bunch of the sort of surprising benefits you get from it are that i think make it yeah a much more enjoyable way to sort of operate this type of company so this thing we're talking about here is lifetime access for Mm -hmm. something so if you want to buy tailwind ui it is one fixed cost you get everything in there plus the things that you guys add to it in the future yes and there's no recurring component at all yeah, zero recurring component and zero even ability on our part to even ask someone to buy something else from us without making something that feels like very completely different. Otherwise, I think we'd get accused of, you know, why did you promise that this would be included in this all access thing? But now we're trying to like sell something on the side. So it's a big commitment in a way, you know, it's giving up a lot of optionality in terms of charging more money for more things down the road. Yeah. I think you're the perfect person to talk about this because I would say you have struggled like publicly with accepting the trade-offs of this type of model. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you've come around to it to the point where you were advocating for this. You're pushing hard uh, to get this, this friend of ours to try this model. And so I'm thinking of this podcast, not like, Hey, you should probably switch to lifetime pricing. And more like recurring revenue gets, everyone kind of by default wants it. Yes. You can kind of see inherently like, I totally see why this looks great. Yes. And it gets a lot of the attention. SaaS in particular is typically priced this way and that dominates a lot of the conversation. And there's not that many people out there like who who will speak for the lifetime access model. And so the answer today is is Adam Wathenwill. Yeah. And usually like all you'll see is the opposite. And there's good arguments against it too, depending on the type of business you're running. But we could just keep dancing around the whole thing here or we could just like start talking about some interesting stuff. So I think we should kind of just like dig into it. So what I can say is like last year around, I think it was June is when we officially launched like Tailwind UI all access lifetime pricing. And, and prior to that, we designed the pricing model in a way to like really give us the freedom to keep charging people if we wanted to do that in the future. So, you know, Tailwind UI was this kind of big sort of catalog of Tailwind code snippets, effectively, to distill it into the simplest terms. And we sort of categorized those code snippets initially into stuff for marketing sites, stuff for like web applications, and then we also added stuff for e-commerce sites later. And all those three packages could sort of be bought individually, or you could buy them as a bundle. But the bundle was just like, you get what's there. If we release a new package in the future, we're going to charge you again to get access to that. And yeah, we did that because we wanted to make sure that we had some way to charge existing customers again in the future, because that's what everyone will tell you all the time. It's way easier to sell to someone who's already bought in than to try and find new customers. But when we launched Tenwind Templates uh, last summer, we made the kind of the hard decision to just go all in on this all access lifetime pricing model where instead of, yes, you get access to everything that's here and maybe like once a year you can pay a hundred bucks to like unlock another year of updates 
or maybe it's a subscription or whatever. It was literally just, you know what? We're just going to charge people 300 bucks. They get everything that's there today. And if we ever add anything new to it, they get that stuff too. And it took a lot of hours and hours and hours of Zoom calls and stuff with people on the team to hash this out and, and come to terms with it and feel good about it and feel like we weren't just basically like setting ourselves up to one day just be totally doomed because we had no customers left in the world and no ability to charge existing customers anything. And business has like more than doubled since we did that. And every month business is predictable and slightly growing month by month. So, you know, things are showing no signs of, of slowing down or going to shit or anything. It feels like a recurring revenue business to me because almost every single day, we make within like 5% of, of what we did the day before. Weekends are a little bit different, but they're always consistent with the previous weekends too. Once in a while, you get a bit of an outlier day, but like the average is real, real consistent. So that's just like one example of sort of a case study of, of where it's actually working. But what I thought would be interesting for us to take into is like the mechanics of why I think this actually works and what some of the benefits are. So I think probably a good place to start because I think it's like the biggest fear that people have around this is won't you run out of potential customers because you can never charge them money ever again. I assume that was your biggest fear as you were discussing this internally. Yeah, that was definitely my biggest fear. And, you know, there's some part of my brain that still kind of feels like, well, maybe, yeah, there's like 6,000 people in line right now, but no one else is joining the back of the line. And eventually four years from now, we'll have served the last person or whatever. Um, but I'll tell you why I think that's sort of irrational. So if you were trying to like grow your Twitter following or like your YouTube subscriber count, do you have it in your head that there's like this guarantee of a plateau at some point? Mm -mm. No, right? You just assume perpetual growth. Sure, yeah. If you're running a YouTube channel and it's making content for developers, there's YouTube channels like the Fireship channel that have 2 million subscribers. So if you have 15,000 subscribers, you're not thinking, well, once I get to 75, like that's it. Like I'm never gonna get more than that, you expect to just like keep growing every single month. There's no like mental block in your head that's like, oh, well, one, at some point I'm gonna just gonna hit a point and, and that's gonna be everyone that subscribes. People just don't think about it that way in that sense. And I think the point that I wanna make is like that's no different for customers than it is for subscribers. A YouTube subscriber can only subscribe to your channel once. They're like a lifetime subscriber in effect. They can only increase that count by plus one ever. Even if they unsubscribe and subscribe again, the net addition to your subscriber count is one. But if you think your subscriber count can go up forever, well, then maybe like your, your customer base can go up just as much as the subscriber count can go up. You know, if you think you can add 10,000 Twitter followers a year and you can turn some percentage of those into customers, well, then there's always new customers, just like there's always new new Twitter followers, you know? And I, I don't know why that feels like it's hard to reconcile those two things as being the same, but I really think they are. Like, can you think of any reason why one one of those would be true, but the other could not be true? Well, I guess it's slightly different because a subscriber on like YouTube, like is sort of giving you continuous value in some sense, right? Like you, if someone is subscribed to watching your videos, they are sort of like a recurring benefit to you over time. Isn't that mm -hmm. true? Like if, if I never grew my YouTube channel past 10,000, I still have those 10,000 people watching every video that comes out. So it feels like a little bit different, but the core idea here does resonate where I was thinking like, okay, like imagine like a tattoo parlor or something, yeah. which is like eventually someone gets all the tattoos they can, they can get or that they want. And like, you got to find like new people to get tattoos. Sure. And like, actually, I think I wouldn't be surprised if like most businesses operated in a model kind of like this where it's like you get a certain amount of value from a customer and then like they basically are not going to be a, a customer of yours again, most likely. Mm -hmm. And what you're relying on is a steady flow of people. And I think that this basic insight works of every day there are new, in your case, like developers mm -hmm. that are minted in boot camps, in self-taught, training programs, colleges, whatever. And those people are now potential customers. And yeah. so your, your, your total market is constantly being added to over time. Yeah. And I think that's true for most businesses. But I still think that's this core premise of like no one expects like 
the number in the subscribe button on their YouTube channel or whatever to stay the same forever. They would be disappointed if it stayed the same forever. Right. But when you're yeah, building yeah. like a subscription revenue business, you have this like scarcity mindset where you're just like, I just want to get these 10,000 people and hold on to them forever and never let them go and never let them go and never let them go, you know? But no one thinks about social media that way. They expect that the number is just going to go up and up and up and up and up. If you can believe that, then there's no reason you can't believe the same is true for finding new customers. I guess that's the only point that I want to make. And gotcha. I think that the critical thing about this that's important to understand, and this was like something that was made crystal clear to be by a talk that uh, Chad Deshaun gave at MicroConf a couple years ago. It was like a lightning talk that he gave. And it was called something like everything you've ever learned at MicroConf is wrong. He made this point that recurring revenue is overrated because of this evil little data point that exists in every metrics dashboard for every SaaS company called churn, which is that some number of your customers are going to cancel every single month. And if you don't acquire new customers to replace those customers, then eventually your business will make $0. So even if you're running a subscription company, you are obligated to find new customers every single month, just like someone selling a one-time product with lifetime access is obligated to find new customers every single month. So I think a lot of people, when they're presented this concept of like a lifetime access pricing model versus a subscription model, they sort of like dismiss that fact and they, mm -hmm. they put this subscription model in their head in this like fantasy world where people subscribe and stay subscribed forever. And that's just simply not true. Like very few businesses have um, zero percent churn or even negative churn if you have expansion revenue um, baked into your business model. If you have something like that baked into your business model, by the way, then subscription model is probably like an incredible fit. And again, the whole point of this conversation is not to say like no one should do subscriptions anymore. I'm I think that's still probably the uh, best possible model you can get if, if it makes sense for the value that you're trying to deliver. But the point is that people cancel and you need to replace those people with new people. And something that you'll see talked about on all sorts of like SaaS podcasts and at conferences and stuff like that, people always talk about this um, growth sort of like ceiling that people hit where like, I'm going to have a hard time like distilling exactly how this math works. But the way I feel like I've seen it described is like your, your churn is like a percentage, but like growth usually doesn't stay a percentage like growth is is a lot more like linear but churn stays a percentage so eventually you hit this point in the graph where like churn is canceling out growth and you just kind of hit a, a plateau that you need to figure out how to break through and that happens like without like growth slowing down per se you know if you're adding 500 customers per month but your churn is a percentage you know, like you can still be adding 500 customers every month, but the churn percentage is now of a higher number. So more people are churning than they were before because that's just how churn works. So you hit a point where you sort of plateau. So no matter what, have to find new customers, have to find new customers, have to find new customers all the time. So I think that's like a really, really important thing to think about. I don't know. Totally. I have a recurring revenue business. At times we have net negative churn where we have more expansion than contraction and churn. And we think about getting new customers a lot. Mm -hmm. It's not like the case that you have a recurring revenue business and it's just, oh yeah, don't worry about it. Just like service the existing customers. It is, it is not that. Yeah. We're throwing money and effort and brain power behind this actively right now. And you know, most of the time because it, it matters. Yeah. And I think like the other thing people worry about, and I'd be curious to like see if you have a take on this, but People do have this fear, and Jason Cohen talks about this in the talk that you know we talked to him about on the last episode, that every month it feels like you're starting from zero if you're not running a subscription revenue business. You know, At least with like subscription revenue, even if you factor in churn, you can at least say, okay, well, I made like five grand last month. This month, I'll probably make like 4,500 bucks, you know, for sure, at least from the people who don't cancel from last month. So I'm not like starting from zero. Whereas if you are selling like a one-time purchase, lifetime access sort of thing, it does feel like, okay, the only way to make any money this month is purely from new customers. You don't just have to make up that little bit of lost revenue with new customers. You have to find like enough new customers to pay you what new customers paid you last month. But the point that Chad made in his talk that was pretty compelling to me too, and I can say from experience is 100% true, is that all of the things you've done that acquired you those customers last month like still exist and are going to like work this month too so like for us the tailwind css documentation website 
is still going to get the same number of visitors this month as it did last month, which means probably about the same number of people are going to click the link to learn about the premium product this month as they did last month. And about the same percentage of people who click that are going to convert into customers as did last month. So even though it feels like you're starting at zero from like a revenue perspective, you're not starting from zero in terms of the engine that you've built in your business. The thing that got you those right. lifetime sales last right. month is still in place getting you those lifetime sales this month. I don't know why this is because like in Jason's talk, he really made this sound like an existential fear of his when he was working on his earlier businesses that weren't subscription revenue. I've never had that feeling. I've never like gotten to like day 30 on the calendar and then felt like, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck. Tomorrow is like the day where like everything goes to hell and we might never make a cent again. I don't know why I've never thought about it that way. Maybe just because when you operate a business like this, you don't really think about things month to month. At least I don't, even mm. though like you do have some costs that are monthly, but they're not crazy, especially if you're small and don't have like a staff that you're paying salaries to I look at things on a much smaller time scale. Usually, you know, I'm looking at day to day, you know, is it possible that this makes sense? Like I have a hunch, like you could also make good money. Like you, you have a, your business is legit. It's big. It does really well. Yeah. I have a hunch you also could have a good, legit business. If we did subscriptions. Yeah. I think that's true. Your reality is a little bit weird. Where like usage of Tailwind is still growing a lot, right? Yes. Uh -huh. So like you are on an upswing of like, it's not just that there are more developers every month. It's also that like probably more of them are switching to Tailwind yes. every month. Mm -hmm. And so like you are riding this unbelievable wave where like you probably like could just kind of put your hand out into the stream and like scoop money out of it with a variety of different pricing models. Yeah, I I do feel the business would make less if we switch to subscriptions. That's that's mm. my gut feeling and I think that's something that we should dig into. Like Totally. That feels right to me and I think that's like this is like an important thing to talk about why. Like yes. for you. I think our point here should be like there are like products where this makes a lot more sense. Mhm. Mm and like we should be like specific about what those things are. Yes. We might have said this already, we might have not. Maybe it'll be in the title of the podcast, or, but I'm thinking specifically for like businesses that sell access to content i think is where i feel like this is the best fit i think a, a lot of those types of businesses are like businesses that sell educational content so the example that we we're talking about before my buddy sam and ryan they run a site called build ui where they sell educational videos for front-end developers building user interfaces i know like my friend jeffrey who runs laracasts they do like a lifetime option but he also does subscription models and stuff like that and that's selling access to screencasts for laravel stuff you know there was like businesses like Railscast back in the day there's like go rails now there's like destroy all software educational stuff like that i think is a really good fit i want to talk about the similarities i think and what i think makes these a good fit uh, tailwind ui is not an educational content business but it is a content business like you're getting access to a catalog of content the content just happens to be like code snippets and website templates with the stuff that we do so let me think about why I think this is a good fit. I, I think one of the key pieces is that in a content business, the first time someone pays you, they get like a very outsized portion of the value of what your business is ever going to deliver them on day one, especially if your business has been around for a while. So like right now, if someone pays for a Tailwind UI all access, they get access to, it's like, I don't know. I think we've probably got like 10 Next.js templates that we built. There's like five or 600 components and all these different categories that we've designed and built that you get access to. And if we charge a subscription and say we charge like $29 a month, you would get access to all of that stuff for $29. You could grab everything that you needed and you would have only paid $29. Where it starts to feel like shitty for the customer is that the next month they're going to get charged $29 again. And there's a chance we've added nothing, you know, because we certainly don't add templates every single month. A template takes us multiple months to build most of the time. So we can only get like three or four of them out per year, along with working on the open source stuff and like adding new components and stuff um, to Tailwind UI. So even if we work really, really, really hard, there's never going to be a time where that second payment that you make gets you as much stuff as the first payment that you made. Whereas if you compare that with like a true SaaS business, you know, like you and I were talking about examples like ConvertKit or MailChimp or something like that. 
If I'm paying them, you know, hundred bucks a month to be able to send out four newsletters this month to my mailing list, I'm probably planning to send out four newsletters next month and four newsletters the month after that. I'm, I'm paying for being able to do that work. And it's worth like the same to me every time. In fact, maybe it's worth more to me over time because like my mailing list is getting bigger and that's where expansion revenue can come from and stuff like that. But with like a, a content business, there's an inherently outsized portion of value being delivered up front. And I think if you charge a subscription for that sort of thing, it's a little different than the recurring revenue that someone's getting in like a software as a service business. I think it's more like afterpay or like a payment plan. You know, you're basically saying like all these videos and all this content or all these code snippets or whatever that we made. I think this is probably worth like $300, but I'm asking someone for $29 and I'm hoping that they stay subscribed until they've paid me that full $29. That seems like a bad move. Like you're, you're offering someone a, a payment plan. You're not getting recurrent revenue. That's how I kind of feel about that. And like kind of tying back to what we were talking about with like churn, what churn does is it creates what's called like a lifetime value for any particular customer, right? So every customer that you have, uh, you can do this calculation that'll tell you what a customer is on average going to pay you over the lifetime that they stay subscribed to your product. There's always those like handful of people who subscribed the day that you launched and like never cancel forever, you know, and they contribute to this calculation in, in their own way. But generally like lifetime value is used to basically help you decide what your cost of acquisition can be and stuff like that. If you know that on average, when someone signs up for my product, I'm going to get $500 out of that person before they cancel, then you know you can spend X amount to acquire that customer and have it still be profitable. The thing that's interesting about lifetime value is that if you can capture all of that in one transaction on day one, instead of putting someone through a subscription, you're in the exact same place. You know what I mean? Because like we already sort of talked about, you do have to always be acquiring new customers anyways uh, because of churn. So if you can get the whole LTV up front, you're literally no worse off at all. You're better off. You're way better off because of cash flow benefits. You have that money in the bank that you can use to deploy today. Um, and by deploy, what I really mean for people that are listening to this podcast or people like me who are starting small businesses, deploy means literally withdraw to your bank account and use to like pay for groceries and pay your mortgage and whatever, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Deploy to amazon.com. Yeah, exactly. Um, you get that money right away and you can use it for whatever you want. And yeah, you still have to find new customers, but you had to find new customers anyways. So I don't know. I, I think yeah. that's like a really was a really light bulb moment for me, recognizing that like what matters is lifetime value, not MRR. Yeah. So like you're charging what is the all access for you? One ninety nine? Two ninety nine. Two ninety nine. Okay. Yeah. So two ninety nine is like that is a thing that you can capture all of it up front. Yes. That feels like a thing that like your average developer probably does not even have to get like much approval for that. They probably have that in an education budget. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you have to ask a manager for their credit card or something yeah. like that. That's like no big deal. Or if they're just paying for it personally, it's my gut is that it's close to the ceiling of like what they feel comfortable like spending on something like that out of pocket. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. You might not even like ask for reimbursement if you have an annoying expense process. You're like, yeah, eh, whatever, 300 bucks. It's fine. So I feel like it, it hits the kind of like no brainer area. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like people, so they're like, this is going to be an easy expense to get approved. And I don't have to do this thing like where I can tell you, having been on the, the side of selling recurring subscriptions for a long time now. It can be insanely complicated to get a company to like agree to start a subscription to something. Yeah. Like it can be like many people. It can be lots of documents like PDFs, e-sign. Yeah. It can like be kind of a nightmare to sign up for what ends up being like a couple hundred bucks a month or something like not even not even crazy. And that's because like that transaction goes into this black hole of a machine where like they can never get it out ever again, probably because you have to figure out who's the one who has the account that needs to cancel it and like you know it's totally yeah you need all these processes like okay it needs to be able to manage the the seats and we need to need to figure out a budget what this we're like where this is going to come out of and like what if they rise prices on us next year and it become it's the sort of big scary thing and then like i think companies develop this like immune system response where it's like oh my gosh how are we spending 30 grand a month on subscriptions like we, okay mm -hmm. we need some approval processes or we need to review these regularly and ask people what they're using versus not it could be really complicated and, and so at your price point in particular and i would say that around that number is probably like call it like zero to like 
a thousand dollars maybe something like that all feels like pretty reasonable like lifetime one-off purchase yeah, things probably, that are not going to get yeah. too much pushback that are pretty easy and i think when you say okay you're not gonna have to deal with the subscription thing you, pro- you might not even have to fill out a expense thing oh and by the way there's this wonderful thing that's going to make you feel good mentally which is like this is lifetime access and we're probably going to add more stuff to this over time yes so you're like, ooh, like I, it's not just this today, but like I, maybe I'm gonna get more. And like I'm happy paying for like what I got, but also like I'm probably just gonna get these treats later that are gonna feel free, even though I've kind of like prepaid or in a yes. sense for them. And yeah. so I think there's a pretty strong psychological effect of that. Yes, and we get this all the time. Like we, every time we release something new, there's so many like quote tweets that go out from people like I bought Tenwin Joy two years ago and they're still adding stuff. This is the best money that I ever spent on this type of product. Yeah. And that is worth a shitload of money. Yes, exactly. That That's worth money. <laughs> that's where new customers come from. And here's the really fucked up part that I really strongly believe. I haven't A-B tested this, so it's hard to prove, but I'm curious to get your take on it. But because I, I would bet a lot of money that this is true for this type of business. I believe that churn is a much bigger problem than it is in SaaS because of what I talked about where like an outsized portion of the value is delivered up front. So if Tailwind UI was $29 a month, I suspect that the vast majority of people would cancel within the first four months because we just can't deliver new stuff as quickly as we can deliver that first big dump of stuff. And I don't think we could charge much more than probably $29 a month. And we can talk about this more too. But I, in general, I think people get really anxious about subscriptions and are really averse to signing totally. up for a new subscription. People don't even want to pay like $9 a month for Netflix or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Right. So to ask them to pay $29 a month for our thing that sometimes is exactly the same this month as it was the month before, it's just like setting up an environment for people to be sort of like, I just... I paid that $29 again and I didn't like go and use anything from that thing today or, or last month. So yeah, back of the napkin math, just like total guess. Say most people stay subscribed for four months and I'll be totally honest. If you put a gun to my head and make me bet, I would bet that the time period that people stay subscribed would actually be less than four months. I bet you we have a lot of people who pay once and literally go to their dashboard and cancel their subscription as the very first step they do after getting access. I mean, let me know when you want me to talk about Prime because I saw that. Yeah. So that's $116 lifetime value if people stayed subscribed for four months. Okay. Right now we charge people $299. So when people talk about annual plans, they talk about like having to sort of like give someone some sort of reason to sign up for annual, which is usually some couple months free or a discount or whatever. I feel like for this type of business, a content business that can charge lifetime, you can actually charge more for the lifetime plan than you would get as the lifetime value out of that customer on a subscription, which makes it just this like magical self-feeding awesomeness machine. Because now instead of getting $116 for every customer and having them kind of be grumpy and cancel and sort of like feel bad because they also kind of want to support us, but they just can't like justify continuing to pay for this thing when they're like not getting new stuff or whatever. Instead, we get $2.99 from those people. We get it immediately. We don't have to wait four months from it. And we have those people going on social media telling people how it's the best thing that they ever bought. You know? Yep. Like you're going to get more people in the door. You're going to get less resistance to purchases for sure Mm -hmm. of one-time versus subscription even at a higher price point i would also put a lot of money on that yeah and yes i think that thing of people sharing and talking about how they're getting so much value it's incredibly valuable yeah like that's where a ton of tuple customers come from is just people saying nice things about us on twitter and you have this way of like releasing a new thing and then suddenly like thousands of people get benefit from it and you like go on twitter and talk about like how how good this is and how everyone else has to get in on this great deal of this lifetime access thing yeah that's just so great yeah i don't know dude it's, it's been magical for us i, I am curious to ask you because you, you know you used to run upcase which was thoughtbot's subscription education platform for several years yeah and it was a monthly subscription like what what was churn like you know <laughs> i do know yeah. So, so I ran this education business that was basically recorded videos about how to write Rails apps better. Mm-hmm. And this was, yeah, ThoughtBot's Upcase product that I started uh, and like ran with some people there. Our churn was pretty close to 20% a month. Like it would be like 16, 18, 20%, something like this. That's like five months. Is that how that math works? Four or five months. Yeah, exactly. And like we would totally see people sign up 
download all the content, cancel. Same day. Yeah. Like that, ha- that happens plenty of times. And like there's there's no reason not to really. Like, and they like they were being jerks. Like I didn't blame them. I could never be like, hey, you shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Like what are you going to do? Build some system where it's like you can watch up to the X many videos per month? Yeah. We thought about that. Yeah. We thought about that. And that was just like, oh, it felt like we were doing a dumb thing there. And eventually what we added, what we ended up doing was we, we added a weekly show. So we basically created a content calendar and committed like, okay, we're going to make four like 20 minute videos a month and release it. That barely helped. You know, that like got churned down to the high teens. Uh, yeah. And it was still people were like, yeah, I like them, but they're not like amazing. And like, I got like 200 videos when I signed up and now I get four a month. And so it's just like, I don't know. I feel like I've got enough content here. And they're kind of rushed, right? Like you kind of have to like... Oh, it sucked. It was my least favorite part of running that business was like, okay, every month I have to like... We would do them in batches. So I don't, it only was like a thing once a month. It was like one week a month basically was just killed for me. Yeah. Because I have to like plan out and record four episodes for this thing to like keep the content trembling going so everyone doesn't cancel we transitioned to this model and i thought this was a good idea like we originally were not a subscription business but i was like oh this would be great we'll just have one subscription and you get access to everything and this would be cool because we'll build this huge base of revenue yeah because you guys had books and stuff before then too and like individual courses that i think you could buy right absolutely yeah so when we first started we were putting courses up for sale and these were recorded versions of our in-person workshops Mm -hmm. so the in-person workshops were like three grand or maybe three to five grand something like that and they sold like that was a good business and then we're like oh we should record them and like put them online and see if we can sell them and i think we sold them for like a thousand dollars for like a set of videos from this two-day course and those sold yeah like people bought those and i was like oh man this is all working so well i know what we should do we should do a hundred dollar a month subscription product and give people access to all these thousand dollar courses and people would like pay a hundred bucks, hundred bucks once, download all the courses, cancel their subscription. Yeah. And then we added this like monthly thing and we added a tier that was just that monthly show that was $29 a month. And so I just like walked us down the pricing curve. Just giving people like more options like, oh, do you want to pay us less? I'll find a way to let you pay us less. Absolutely. And I remember people kind of being like, do I misunderstand? It seems like I could buy this one course for like a thousand dollars. Or I could pay you $100 once and download all the courses and then cancel. And yes. I was like, nope, that's what we're doing. Yeah. And it was uh-huh. like, okay. I kind of, I, I sort of blame my, I mean, my, in my naivete, uh, I was a younger man back then. And I, I just sort of didn't realize. And I thought recurring revenue was like all there was. Yes. It was like the hotness. Yes. And so I like, I like shoehorned, I shoehorned the business. That's a really important thing to just like, to talk about you know that that's drilled into our brains like trying to run these yeah. types of businesses like recurring revenue is like the gold standard you want recurring revenue chase recurring revenue chase recurring revenue but i think you got to be careful i think you got to like think from first principles about what you're actually doing and make sure that it's actually a good fit i do want to touch on some yeah. of the things that you mentioned there like you talked about like feeling basically pressured to do like a weekly show because you had to like have a good reason to stay subscribed month to month. So you, you kind of had to be on this on this sort of treadmill because you're worried about churn. So you have to dedicate quite a bit of time to just like trying to do just just enough to like keep people from canceling. Whereas, you know, if you had done like a lifetime thing, like that, that pressure wouldn't be there. And I think what I want to talk about here that I think is really valuable and and this is like something that's been really valuable for Sam and Ryan, who I've been like helping them make this transition with their business is they're early, you know, and the important thing that they need right now is to grow their audience and improve distribution. They need more people to find out about them and like fall in love with like content that they're creating. Dude, our business, we have a multi-million dollar business. That is also what we need. Yeah, sure. I don't think that need goes away like that. Have more people find out, get better distribution. That is just like eternal. Yeah. So to be in this position where like, you have to be dedicating time to like creating new stuff to keep people from canceling. Any time that you spend doing that takes away from time that you could be spending to like attract new customers. And I think that could be misinterpreted as like, oh, you should like ignore like the your existing customers and not deliver value for them and focus on getting new customers instead. But the whole idea here, right, is that you're doing this like lifetime all access thing so that people only pay once and what they paid for is like already there. Like you got to make sure that if you're charging someone like 150 bucks, that what they're getting on day one is worth 150 bucks. Otherwise, I do think you still kind of fall into that trap. Like if you've made promises about things, I really try hard to pitch like the all access thing as like, you'll get anything new we add in the future. Not like, 
and we're going to add a new thing every week or a new thing every month or whatever. You got to like set expectations properly so that people are never disappointed and people feel like they're they're getting something awesome. But anyways, what I'm trying to say is like for those guys, they need to be spending as much time as possible making like free content um, so that people can like discover them on YouTube or discover them on Twitter and stuff like that. And when they were operating under like a subscription model, they felt like they just couldn't do that. They felt like, but then we don't have time to make like the premium content that people are subscribed for. And those people are going to cancel, even though like most of those people have only paid us for three months and we've already delivered more than three months of value, but they're in a position where they can cancel if they want. And then we would be stuck in a bad place. So for them, this whole lifetime plan stuff is basically acting like seed funding for the business in a way because it's like all this money in the bank that like they can now use to pay themselves while they build the funnel while they work on distribution while they build the audience and and they have like permission to do that even from their customers because no one's going to be like disappointed in fact like those customers that paid for a lifetime i don't know i'd like to get your gut reaction on this but i can't imagine any of those people are ever going to be like why did I pay for like a lifetime thing if you're making all this stuff and putting it on YouTube for free anyways, you know? Right. I don't think anyone yeah. cares about that. They paid for access to the premium stuff. They paid for access to like the community or whatever. That like transaction is over. They felt good about it when it happened. If they see like YouTube stuff coming out for free, they're excited to watch that too. You know, it's just like, it's all smiles all around. Yep. I don't see that being a problem. Yeah. I agree. A couple of things I want to follow up on that are here mm -hmm. that... I'm stoked about. Okay, so one, so one thing, just to finish this anecdote of my uh, upcase experience, we plateaued. Um, that business plateaued, and it, it got stuck hard, and it was really frustrating. And I remember talking to Brian Helmkamp, who was in the office one day. A code climate founder, right? Founder of Code Climate, exactly. And so that's like your classic SaaS, like B two B SaaS product. Yeah, was doing really well, and I showed him our metrics dashboard. And he saw that we were at like 18% churn or something. And he was like, that's monthly churn? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, I have no idea what you're going to do. Like, you're just, you just cannot grow against that headwind. It's like, this is an emergency. <laughs> like, Yeah, he was just, I don't remember what he said, but he was like, he's like, code climate monthly churn is like 2% or something. And like, we're actively trying to get that down. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. He's like, that's down from 3% because we were like, you know, three was too high. And I was like, oh God. And that's when I realized that like how different those businesses were. Not in time to, to like make enough changes. But anyway, that was like sort of a more experienced person, like seeing that number and be like, this is, there's your problem. There's an enormous hole in the bottom of the bucket. Mm -hmm. like, you can't grow against that. That's just like too hard yeah another thing that occurred to me two things that occurred to me that, that we're talking one is like uh, this is a little tenuous i wonder if there's a connection here between like freemium and lifetime access like freemium is almost the lifetime access of the SaaS world uh-huh where it's like i'm gonna forever give you like decent tuple yeah like you're gonna be cool with that interaction forever because you're, you're it's free and you're happy and like we're happy and later we're, we're always going to give you this opportunity to like pay us more for premium stuff and we're going to keep adding stuff to the premium tier. That product is going to keep getting better and better. Just like entice you into that over time. Interesting. I'm having a hard time drawing a really clear connection. Yeah, it's it's a little, you know, it's a little yeah. wobbly. Yeah. Is this coming from a place of ah, this conversation is exciting and we've been thinking about trying to figure out a way to do premium for a while. And if I can convince myself in my head that that's our version of lifetime well now it all feels like a, a really smart thing to do a little bit maybe there's some similarities there mm -hmm. anyway i don't need this point to land to be happy with this podcast so let me move on to my next point which is i want to tell you about this mechanic of this game i played that like kind of blew my mind okay so there's this genre of games called i think it's called cookie clickers okay which is like you're building this like production factory. So like this, I was playing this game and like, I'm trying to like make as many eggs as possible. Okay. And so like at first you have like one chicken and like once you've sold enough eggs, you can like make a bigger hen house. And then once you like have enough money, you can buy a faster truck and then you can build a bigger farm and then you can get better feed. And like it has all these like ways of sort of increasing your economy. So you start off making like one egg per minute and then like soon you're doing 10,000 and then you're like, it just has all these like sort of ladders for like slowly increasing your production. And this game was free and it had this thing where it's like, if you want, you can buy five blue coins for $5. And like blue coins like let you upgrade things faster, or like give you a more premium version of something. And I'm like, five blue coins for $5? Nah, that doesn't make any sense. I don't want to do that. And as time went on, the number of blue coins you got for five bucks went up. 
And so like after like playing the game for 10 minutes, like, oh, you want like nine blue coins for five dollars? I'm like, oh, interesting. That's hmm. I could do a lot with not with nine. I'm like, but I don't know. And then like some more time went by. It's like, whoa, 30 blue coins for five dollars. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's like starting to feel kind of cheap. And then it hits like 112. And like now you, the listener, you want to buy those blue coins. I know you do. Like you're ready. Like you, you, you've decided like these now sound cheap. And that was the mechanic. And like once you buy them, you get all the blue coins and it would reset back down. Mm-hmm. And so it's basically just this like briefcase that would slowly fill with something of value for the same price. And eventually you're like, I have to buy this. This is, this is ridiculous. I can't, yeah, yeah, I can't yeah, yeah. stand to not buy this. And so I feel like, <laughs> I feel like this lifetime model has a little bit of that element to it where Ryan and Sam and you guys, are, you have this package of things and it costs X dollars, but you just keep adding to it. Yeah. And so I keep bumping into it. And I'm like, oh, 300 bucks for 500 templates. And now it includes this too. And now it includes this too. Now it's 800 templates. Now it's 10 million templates. Like this is absurd. I, I'm a fool. I'm yeah. losing money by not buying this. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's true. Like it just becomes like a better deal. And something that I kind of like about the lifetime model too is that people aren't punished for buying early by doing it this way. I don't know like how much other yeah, people care about nice. this, but as a business owner, it kind of gives me a little bit of anxiety to like charge someone this much and they get like a bunch of stuff. And then like we try to charge them an upgrade price in a year to get access to whatever new stuff we added. But anyone who just waited the year to buy it just got that included for the same price that the other person paid a year ago. You know, that's always been a Mm -hmm. tricky thing for us. And anytime we have done anything like that, we've always just charged people like whatever the difference was in like the bundle cost. But that also meant that we had to raise the bundle cost, first of all. So tell me why I went from being like two. I think it went from like 249 to 279 when we added the e-commerce package because we were scared to raise it too much because 249 felt like it was working. But that meant that every existing customer got like all this new work for $30, which most of them were like, okay, like, yeah, I'll pay you $30, but it also just kind of feels like not enough, you know, but it's also like, I don't want you to have paid more total than someone who buys it today. I love that. Not penalizing your early supporters. Yeah, but that means we have to raise the price forever if we do that, you know, and I and that's probably not going to work either because like we kind of talked about before, I do think there's sort of like a ceiling where it just becomes like, no matter the value of what's included, I can't spend this. Like the analogy I've used is like if Costco had a deal where you could get like a thousand steaks for 1200 bucks or like eight steaks for like $40, it's like, I simply only require eight stakes, you know, <laughs> and I'd rather have the money, even if like the price per stake is less or whatever, you know? Yeah. Well, the content thing is interesting because I do feel like if you're like, it's 29 bucks a month for Tailwind UI, I feel like people do this, this calculation of like, will I use this and how often? Yeah. And how much value am I getting? And every time they see that charge on the credit card, like how much did I use it this month? Yes. And like, was that worth it? But when you do like one time cost, I think people happily pay that cost, download the stuff they want, or like save the login info or whatever it is. Like buying a course, for example. Like I have totally bought bought courses or books. Bought courses that you've never never even opened the page. Never even opened. And I guarantee you, if we had like someone from Gumroad on here, I bet the number of people that like never even download the content they paid for is like double digits. Yeah. And is that good? I don't know that that's necessarily good. Is it evil? I don't think it's evil because I don't, I certainly don't feel even regret over those purchases. Like I have books on my shelf right now that I'm just kind of like, yeah, I bought that from Amazon like two weeks ago. I haven't read it yet. I'm going to read it one day. Like, you know, next time we're on vacation and I need something to read. Yeah. Maybe I'll bring that with me. Like I, I don't regret it. I don't hold resentment towards the person that I bought it from because I didn't read it on day one. You know, I bought it and now I have it and I'm happy that I have it. I'll use it when I need it, you know? Yeah. I think there's just a thing sort of deep in your, in like our, like maybe like not completely rational brains where it's like, oh, I paid once and I got the thing and I'm going to get to it at some point, but I, whatever, like I know I got it. Like yeah. I, I agreed to the price and we did that transaction done. Never need to reconsider. Yes. hundred percent. Like just, there's just a lot of friction in subscribing to anything. Like what I've told people in the past is that no one impulse buys a subscription, you know, like you immediately think about it harder you know and that's not to say like you want to build an impulse buy business that like deceives people into buying things it's not it's nothing like that at all but if i'm excited about something and i'm willing to pay 
today. I'm excited to dig into this content. I'm excited to learn this new library, or this new framework that you've created a series on or whatever. Like I'm ready to give you 300 bucks to teach that to me today. Take my 300 bucks and let me do it because there's no guarantee that next month I still have that time or the enthusiasm or whatever. And that kind of gets back to the whole payment plan thing I talked about, you know, it's like, buying something that I need for this weekend, but then like having to like pay off that debt for like the next three months, even though like I just needed it for that weekend and now I'm done with it. Like it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth, even if it <laughs> was beneficial because it was better for you for cash flow. But it just kind of feels like every time that charge comes in, it's like I'm paying for something in the past. This sucks, you know? I feel like I could talk about this like more, but I also feel like we've been going for a while. So I'm trying to think if there's like any really key sort of things to sort of wrap up with here or any like really important uh, points that we that we haven't touched on. I, I think one is that like your pricing doesn't have to be permanent. So if you're afraid to take try lifetime pricing because like you feel like irrationally that that means you're doing lifetime pricing forever, that's not true. Like even in our business, it's in the back of my mind to experiment with subscription pricing for teams at some point instead of lifetime pricing for teams. And Mm -hmm. It took us a long time to decide on our pricing originally, because when you're making a decision about pricing, it does feel like you're making a permanent decision, but it really doesn't have to be like you could use lifetime plans as a way to sort of like get that cash flow and buy back your time so you can work full time on your thing. And then when there's like enough content there that you basically built Netflix and like Netflix can't charge you a lifetime plan because there's so much stuff in there and like their licensing fees are so high and stuff, a lifetime plan to Netflix would they'd have to charge like 2,500 bucks for it, you know, and like people just aren't going to pay 2,500 bucks for it. So if you get to the point where it just kind of feels like uh, the value of like what we're delivering, like we just can't capture it in like a lifetime plan and we need to switch to some sort of subscription thing, you can do that. Everyone who has lifetime keeps lifetime new customers, which again, you always have to be finding no matter what anyways. Maybe they get moved to a subscription plan and you don't even have to lower the price to move to a subscription plan. Maybe you just take your 149 lifetime price and that becomes a 149 annual price. That's not to say again, that subscriptions are the right thing to do, but clearly like Netflix and like HBO max or whatever, like there are, are examples of these like massive content companies that do subscriptions and have it work. And I'm sure there's some detail that makes it different than like your screencast site or Tailwind UI or whatever, you know, just the scale of the whole thing. But it's not permanent. You know, you you can change it over time. You can even just simply raise the lifetime price over the time. That's something we talk about internally. You know, at what point should Tailwind UI cost more than it currently costs? We could change that, you know? You know, what's popping out to me as I think about this is I'm thinking about other content businesses like Substack comes to mind. Yeah. And Substack only does recurring pricing. That's right. There does not seem to be a way, I was just looking at, and I'm pretty sure this is correct, there doesn't seem to be a way to do like a lifetime access for like one payment. Yeah. Before we hit record, you were saying if we were going to do a paid podcast, we would do one time yeah. for all, you know, all the reasons discussed. How do you feel about, like, and, and I've, I've definitely read that Substack churn is, is really high. It's like that, like, you know, high teens. It's like content style churn, you know, it's the content flavor of churn. Exactly. If I was running Substack, I would have a hard time with that decision. Like, I think that would be on the table, like the lifetime thing. Totally. Yeah. At least giving people a chance to do it. Yeah. Like, there's just something that feels good as a customer about just being able to be like, I'm a super fan of this person. Let me buy like the lifetime backstage pass, you know, so that every time this band is in town, I get like to get in the gates early and whatever you know and again you have to find new customers all the time anyways so if churn is super super high you know lifetime is an interesting thing especially if your cost of delivery doesn't scale really like with like the number of customers that you have which definitely is the case for us like tailwind ui runs on i think we literally pay 15 dollars a month for a single digital ocean droplet that runs the entire business you know what i mean it's ridiculous but yeah, if we were going to do a podcast with like a paid tier, Lifetime does feel like the right way to do it to me. It, it just, again, it feels like you can capture that like Lifetime value up front. The transaction's over. Everyone kind of just like feels happy about it after the fact. And you have to find new customers already anyways. So just keep finding new customers. I think like one thing I did want to talk about quickly is just like the back of the napkin math for like trying to start a subscription 
revenue business versus trying to start a lifetime business. And this is like some, the case that I had to make to Sam and Ryan to really like sell them on this. For them, they were like, we would feel like really strong working on this full time if it was making 25 grand a month because we have like families, we live in like New York, like we need money, you know? Uh, we can't like live like we're 17 anymore, whatever. But to get to $25,000 a month at $29 a month in subscriber revenue, they had to get like 860 subscribers and they had to keep those 860 subscribers. That's like a lot of people to convince to pay a subscription. But if you just need 25 grand a month and you can get that, like they're charging 150 bucks for lifetime access right now, that's like 167 people per month that they have to find, which that's more new people than they'd have to find to replace the churn on the other people. But like we've sort of talked about, I feel like it's actually easier to convince 167 people to pay $149 once than it is to convince 167 people to pay $29, even if they were gonna go and cancel immediately. Just like the subscription friction is higher. To get that first 167 customers to have your first like escape velocity month, you can get to that way faster than you can get to that 870 subscribers or whatever, especially because like like net new subscribers every month is going to be like hard to keep up with a business that has so much churn. You know, it's it's just like they need five sales a day, six sales a day to make this business work. Like that sounds totally doable, you know, <laughs> like they launched it this week. And it's doing awesome already. I had them do like the, the switch and we were talking about it. It was like, don't talk about it. Don't like announce it. Just like change it on the website using like your existing traffic, your existing distribution, say nothing to anybody and just like see what changes, you know? And they ran that for like five or six days and they were getting between seven and eight sales a day without ever making it seem like we just launched this thing. So there was no spike, you know? This is just like people seeing it organically converting. So there's no reason to believe that, that that number wouldn't just stay there and continue to go up, which means that by like flipping over the switch to this like lifetime pricing, they took like this business that they couldn't really afford to work on. And now they can actually work on it full time by just changing one section of the fucking homepage. You know, they changed nothing else. They made no new content. They did nothing. They just changed the pricing model. And even though they don't get crazy amounts of traffic, they're still building their audiences. They were still having enough people visit the site that they can make that like six to eight sales a day, which is more than they need to work on the thing full time. They're over the moon about it, you know? So I don't know. It's just like a really cool case study. And um, totally, there's no reason to believe that that's not just going to go higher, you know? And then I tweeted about it like a week later just because I wanted to see like what the impact would be. And now like all their metrics are destroyed. But I mean, my tweet bought them a couple months, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was looking at that, your tweet, and I saw somebody's response, which is like, oh, nice. It's a one-time sale. Like, this makes it so much easier to expense for me. Yes. And that's a point that Sam and Ryan were making, too. They were telling me, like, even um, when they were running subscription stuff, they had people reaching out and being like, you know, can we do annual? Because annual is way easier for me to get approval for. Or, like, can you just charge me for, like, three years and just give it to me for life? Because that's way easier, you know? Something that's a one-time purchase for people that are expensing stuff, they don't even need permission for that a lot of the time. Like a lot of people just have like an annual education budget. They can spend it on whatever they want. They buy it, done, the end. And I love it. They can add to this thing at their leisure more or less. Mm -hmm. They can be adding to the catalog to increase the value of the thing. They can slowly be walking up the price as the catalog gets more and more valuable. So it still stays enticing, but then also makes them more revenue per customer. Yep. They're freed up to work on distribution, making free stuff and putting it out there with you know no no pressure of, oh, you promised to do this much content or I need to see this much value per month and I have to think about it constantly. They're getting customer goodwill by adding to the existing package that probably triggers a lot of resharing mm -hmm. and recommendations that are just insanely valuable regardless of what stage you're at. It's, it's pretty compelling. It's magical. And like you kind of mentioned, freeing them up to work on distribution. Like one thing that I really love about this model is it doesn't force you into this like, I got to get something out every week. I got to get something out every week. I got to get something out every week. They can do YouTube for two months and then they can spend six weeks and make something really awesome. That's like premium only where they can like really focus on it instead of just having to like bite off these like micro premium things like you guys had to do with like the weekly iteration videos on Upcase. It reminds me of like a conversation we had yeah. 
couple episodes ago where we were talking about the value of like planning out a whole cycle versus just mm-hmm. having to like oh shit you're done with that task uh what's like the least thinking like lowest hanging fruit next thing i can just like feed to you that kind of feels like what you have to do for premium content because you don't have the space to like craft something great and plan out something great but by using a model like this you get permission to sort of work in a much more like seasonal way you know you can really batch things like a lot differently and really just increase the impact of like the work that you're doing i think i think that we haven't quite touched on maybe is that you are effectively getting the chance to relaunch your product over and over like you have talked a lot about the value of working in public and like sharing bits of the things that you're working on mm-hmm. so like as you are adding like a new template to Tailwind UI or Sam and Ryan are working on a new video course to add to their their unlimited package they can be talking about it they can be sharing it they can be teasing it and then when they launch it's a great reason to like tell everyone it's a great excuse to email all everyone that's already bought hey great news free thing here for yeah. you it's a great reason to like to like talk about it on product on Twitter or wherever, like podcasting. It's like you have this relaunch of this like great paid product. Uh, again, that again also probably gets reshared by your existing customers. It fits nicely. Yeah. And I guess like you could still do that with subscriptions too, right? But I guess what you're relaunching is something that costs a lot less at that point. He probably should do that. It just feels weird to me. That feels, I don't know. It doesn't feel the same. It doesn't feel the same. Like I saw you announce being able to type annotations in, in Tuple. That feels like similar to me to what we do with like launching a new template. Yeah, that's true. I guess it's the product hunt launch that feels weird to me. Of like, oh, we have a new feature announcing tuple annotation mode. Oh my gosh, everybody freak out. Yeah, I do think that that feature launch isn't going to like result in a bunch of conversions really because the pricing model has like more friction. You got to have a better reason to buy than just that one feature. But with our stuff yeah. and with like an educational thing, I, it, it feels different. It feels like feels like you need less justification, you know? It's, uh, I don't know, man. It's good. Life is good here. I like selling Lifetime. I was nervous about it. Uh, I don't re- regret it at all. I still find myself scheming about ways to introduce like recurring revenue, like where it makes sense. But every time I even come up with an idea, it still kind of feels like, well, why would we spend a bunch of time doing that when we could just make a template, which is going to be way more effective other than for like diversification you know that would be like the only only real reason you see sales spike when you put a new template out there right not as much honestly like funnily enough sales were like unusually high yesterday even way before we launched the template and sales today they're on track to be about what they were on tuesday and tuesday was just like a plain ass normal day interesting we launched the template yesterday at like 4 30 in the afternoon so i would have expected that to carry over today because i did tweet about it again today that said we haven't sent anything to the newsletter the newsletter always results in more but we are sort of running out of like people on the newsletter who haven't already bought because there's not really an obvious reason to even sign up for our newsletter anymore um other than to just like subscribe to our blog i would bet that we get like less than 25 subscribers a week through like our proper newsletter form you know, on our um, actual website. So, Tailwind CSS blog index. In total, it looks like we've had 719 people sign up for that period, which is like quite a long time ago. The only newsletter form that gets like anything for us is the refactoring UI one. And that's because like you get two free chapters for signing up for that. So as much as I like want to believe that you don't need to like offer incentives to get people to sign up for things because I just want it to work on the purity of people wanting to just simply receive updates. The reality is like incentivizing people to subscribe for things does work. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Well, so you can just focus on growing Tailwind as an ecosystem. Yeah. And we need that. Honestly, if we were doing subscriptions and we like didn't have time to like spend two months doing a new version of Tailwind, um, because we had to get new templates and stuff out every single month, that would be like disastrous. That would basically feel like that we had totally failed to like sustain the open source project, even though that's supposed to be the point of the business, you know? So we need like the freedom to ignore it for a couple months. <laughs> and this is like the only model that really affords us that. So I think you could get that too with annual subscriptions, to be clear. I think if you draw it out far enough, um, it, it can work, but certainly like month to month would be bad for us. Well, there you go. I think we covered it. Yeah. 
Adam's love letter to lifetime access price. That's right. I'll just come back and listen to this myself every time like I'm I'm starting to feel doubts, hopefully. But yeah, I don't know. I think it's great. I think it's awesome. Uh, seeing like that whole process with the Sammy Ryan's business uh, this week and last week has been like just as exciting for me as it is for them, even though it's not their business, because I just kind of feel like it's like this ammunition that I need for uh, defending the lifetime access model, especially at least for this type of business. But we'll really have more data later. It'd be interesting to maybe revisit in like a year or so and be like, how did, how did this all turn out? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I, I'm curious how this conversation will be the first time you don't sell more in a month than your previous month. Oh, yeah, absolutely. This is the last month at Tailwind Labs makes any money, I think. Um, <laughs> it's like, have you ever have you ever mentioned in like your company Slack or whatever, oh, man, we got a lot of new signups today. And then like that's the last signup you get for the day. You know, you just like jinxed it. You know, that's a, mm. a real thing. Fingers crossed we didn't, yeah. we didn't just do that. Cool, man. All right, man. Good chatting. Good stuff. Yeah. Take it easy. See ya.